This is Linux Reality, Episode 39, Cron. Hello, everyone. This is Chess Griffin, and uh, you're listening to the Linux Reality Podcast. I'd like to welcome all the new listeners, and I'd like to welcome back all of you who've been listening for a while. Um, Sure, I'm glad that you're back and that you stayed uh, subscribed to the show. And thank you so much for all the great feedback last week uh, with my, um, you know, with my little delay and, uh, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people sent me nice notes saying, you know, don't worry about it. Don't, uh, don't stress over it if you miss a week or whatever. And, you know, um, I certainly, I certainly understand that. In fact, I was going to get to that here in just a second, but, uh, uh, thanks for sending those, those nice, those nice kind words along. It sure, sure is appreciated. I wanted to follow up again on this idea of this new logo. I mentioned this last week, and I, you know, I, I guess I hadn't really thought it through when I mentioned it last week, and I probably need to do a better job of thinking it through. But a couple of people asked me if I was serious about soliciting um, some ideas from the community, and I definitely am. I mean, I welcome suggestions and ideas for a new logo. And the whole idea this came up, uh, the reason this came up is because the logo that I've got is is I got through a stock photo image site, you know, whatever, and it's got some sort of, you know, restrictive license. And uh, I just didn't really think about it at the time. I wasn't really anticipating uh, wanting to use the logo for anything other than, than the website, which is what it was, you know, what it was for. So I'd like to be able to use it on, on other things, and, and, you know, and I'd like to have an unrestricted license. So if anybody has any ideas, I mean, I definitely, or maybe what I'll do is I'll, is I'll start a thread in the forums. Well, there's one already, but maybe I'll start a new one. I don't know, but, you know, to kind of outline some, some basic ideas that I've got. I definitely like things simple. Um, I mean, really, I guess what I'm looking for is just like a, like a graphic, uh, without any text or anything. I mean, in other words, I'd keep the same text, maybe just a new graphic, a new, a new logo, you know, a new, a new image, SVG or PNG or something like that. But, um, anyway, I'll, I'll, uh, maybe post some more in the forums about that. So, uh, thank you. If you're interested in, in doing that, I would welcome that. And I don't really have anything to offer in terms of, uh, <laughs> an award or remuneration or anything like that. But, you know, other than just the, you know, the infamy that you will have of being the one that, that designed the new logo. So but anyway, we can talk about that more in the forums. I also wanted to talk about speaking of, you know, time off and that kind of thing. I don't know what my schedule is going to be like between now and the end of the year. Things get kind of crazy for me, both at home and at work. So, um, I mean, I definitely have plans to do several more episodes this year. I was kind of leaning towards uh, maybe taking the month of December off. I don't know if I would do that for the entire month, maybe just the last two weeks or maybe the last three weeks or something. I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you informed of that. But um, it would just be temporary. I mean, I'd, I'd be, I'm coming right back. So um, it would just be kind of a, a, a little mini break for the holidays and the end of the year stuff. And we've got family coming in town and all, all that kind of stuff. So it might be just a little bit too crazy for me to – uh, do um, do uh, you know one every single week through the end of the year? But anyway, like I said, I'll kind of let you know more about that uh, as it comes up. I also wanted to um, touch uh, base on sort of changing subjects here briefly. I've been uh, lucky to have been contacted by the folks at O'Reilly. Um, this was several months ago. This is O'Reilly Media. You know they publish a lot of tech books 
technical books and a lot of Linux books and, and all kinds of stuff. And they offered to send me some, some books for review, you know, and to mention it in the show from time to time. And they send me an email from time to time and, and see if I want to, want to review one. And so I've gotten a couple from them. Most of them are really kind of high level programming books that, are probably really awesome, but <laughs> pretty much a dummy when it comes to that kind of thing. So I would not be the right person to talk about it. But the one I got, I thought this was kind of cool. This is, doesn't really pertain to me specifically, but I wanted to read it because I wanted to talk about it. And it's called LPI Linux Certification in a Nutshell. And I don't know a whole lot about the LPI certification. This actually came up in the forums a couple of months ago. People were talking about certifications in Linux. And I've heard other podcasts talk about it as well. But it seems like the LPI, uh, which I believe stands for the Linux Professional Institute, but they've got a certification now, kind of like, you know, you hear Windows people get their MCSE and all that kind of stuff. And the idea is that you can kind of have some sort of official certification. But anyway, this, and I guess they have tests, you know, and, and exams that you have to pass before you get the certification. And this book is intended to be a study guide. Uh, but what I found interesting about it is um, it's a really good resource. I mean, it talks a lot about a lot of the nuts and bolts of maintaining and, and administering a Linux system. And uh, it is very detailed, very in-depth, very well-written, and it's huge. I mean, it's almost a 1,000 pages long, and uh, they have sample exams. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. You can probably hear me shuffling papers here. I'm looking at it. And they um, they have sample exams and, and with answers and sample tests and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, I haven't read this whole thing cover to cover, but I read several sections of it because there were sections I was actually looking for, you know, looking for an answer for something. And they really helped me with that. And if you have any interest in getting the, one of these LPI certifications, I mean, I actually think it would be kind of cool to get, even if you're not necessarily going to work in the industry. I just think that, I don't know, it just seems like you'd really learn a lot. So, uh, but anyway, from you know, I've been I've had this book now for a couple of months, and I've been I've been looking at it. I really wanted to spend some time with it before I talked about it, and I definitely recommend it. It's it's. Like I said, it's very technical, and it's obviously geared towards these exams. You know, I mean, if you have any interest in it whatsoever, I mean, it lists, it's, it's you know, it's these books aren't cheap. They're, it's like $60 or whatever. You can probably get it cheaper online. That's the, that's the price on the book. I don't know how much it is at Amazon. But anyway, so I just wanted to mention that, and I've got a couple others I'm going to maybe pull out from time to time and talk about. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'll be honest with, you know, I don't think one is that good. I mean, I'll I'll mention I'll say so. Um, so you know, and and as I said, I don't really get many of these because because a lot of them are kind of beyond me. But the ones that I think might be helpful for you all, I'll see what I can get and I'll talk about them from time to time. So you know, I thought that might might be kind of cool. Uh, let's see. Before we get started, I think that's about it. So let's get to the main subject of today's show, and that is cron. <laughs> Well, cron is, um, gosh, cron is such a great thing. Cron is is a command. It's a Linux command. It's it's a scheduler. It's a way to run scheduled commands. Now, before I get into the the, the command line stuff here, uh, this is something that that is in a lot of graphical tools. In other words, if you if you know if you use SUSE Linux. I'm almost positive in Yast. I seem to recall there being a graphical tool for cron. That it may, they may not call it cron. They may call it 
um, scheduler or command scheduler or something like that. And I'm pretty sure in Mandriva there's something. And I may be mistaken, but I believe that there's even native tools in KDE and, and uh, GNOME to to set up cron cron jobs is what they're called or tasks that that are that are automated that are scheduled. So uh, if you if you you know once we talk about this after listening to it, if you have any interest in in it and you don't want to dive into the command line, which is that's where I'm going to spend most of my time here today, is uh, uh, to talk about. But you know feel free to look look and look for those graphical tools because. There's a, you know, this is pretty standard stuff, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that I've seen it in graphical form. There's also, if you use a program called Webmin, which is something I've not talked about, but I, I do plan to talk about it. I actually use it on one of my servers. Webmin is a, um, it's a Perl application that basically runs a little mini web server. It, it's a graphical web-based administration tool uh, for administering a whole bunch of Linux server and and I mean, just all different kinds of, of tasks. And uh, one of the modules in Webmin is for cron. So um, even if you know, if even if you don't find, even if you don't use Yast or one of those type tools, there's always Webmin, which is available for every single Linux distribution. Uh, so uh, Webmin is really great, by the way, and I do plan to talk about it. So anyway, you know, look for uh, graphical tools to help you administer cron if you find any of this confusing. But it really is not that complicated. Uh, so I really do think that that doing it in the in the command line is easy, and uh, it you know it just gets you more comfortable to doing things in the command line. So why don't we get into it? Um, again, cron is basically a way to schedule tasks. You know it can it can it can run certain commands at certain times, or it can run certain scripts at certain times, and it is very configurable. And there's a lot of things you can do with it. I use, I have lots of cron jobs set up to do all kinds of stuff. I have a cron job to run um, the little Bash Potter program that Link from the Linux Link Tech Show wrote. That's my pod catching uh, client, and I use uh, cron to run that every morning at four o'clock in the morning. And I have cron set up to do some backups over with rsync and SSH, and I have cron to do some uh, some local tarring of, of various directories and backups, and I just do it for all different kinds of things, and it's really handy. But the way it works is there's two there's two uh, pieces, if you will. First of all, in the uh, in the root environment, you know, if you're if you're as a root user, what you can do is if you go into the slash etsy directory in the file tree. In most distributions, you'll find several different cron directories, and they'll they'll be all uh, named cron period, and then something like cron period hourly, cron period daily, I think, cron period maybe weekly, and then monthly. I don't remember; I don't have it in front of me. But there's several different directories um, under the slash etsy directory where cron scripts can be placed. And in each one of these directories, you'll see some some scripts that are in there. These are executable scripts uh, that are that are run uh, based on the folder. So in other words, if you have a script in cron.hourly, well, the, any script that's in that folder is going to be run hourly. And same with the daily and the weekly and the monthly. I mean, you know, respectively. Uh, so it's a very easy way. Uh, if you want to run a, a script or something as root, something that needs to be done as root, uh, it's, it's very easy to create a little script and just drop it into one of these directories. Now, a script, we haven't really talked about scripting, and, and that was also something I planned to get to, 
but um, uh, very in a very simple manner, you can create a very simple little bash script, which is just a text file. You don't have to be a programmer, believe me. Think of a script as a as a as a set of commands. So if you have three commands that you want to have run one after another, you can just put them in a text file uh, with a with you have to introduce it a certain way. You have to have a number sign and an exclamation point. That's called a shebang. And then you have slash bin slash sh. And that tells that tells your system that you're using the bash shell. So you have to have that first line there. But then after that, and ideally, you know, you could put in some additional comments to explain what the script is, but you just put commands one after another if you want. Uh, just one on one line after another line after another line. And when the script runs, it will run each command in order one line at a time. And when it's done, it will complete. Now you have to make that script executable. So the easiest way to do that, and again, if this is going to be a script that's placed in cron.hourly, let's say, which is a root level directory, or, or you know, directory with that requires root privileges, you need to be the root user. And so you either need to use su, or or in Ubuntu you can use sudo. But you would do, let's say, sudo uh, change mod chmod space plus x for execute and then the name of your script and that would that would be a, an easy way to change the script to make it to make it executable so bring this back around so in other words if you wanted to run some system level administrative root level type scripts you could easily put them in one of these cron directories in etsy and you'll see some in there okay so i'm going to i'm going to even do, i just went into my cron uh, daily uh, directory here on my system and uh, I've got a few different scripts in here. One is uh, log rotate. That's a, uh, a that's an administrative command that will that does all the log rotations. If you go, there's a directory called slash var slash log that can that maintains all your system logs. And log rotate is a little command that will rotate the logs on certain schedules. So you'll always have you know some backups and and you won't have everything crammed into one log. It'll create you know, three or four different logs on a weekly basis, for example. I've got another script in here for NTP. That's the uh, network time protocol. That's a little script that will that runs daily to to synchronize my computer's clock uh, with uh, various time servers. I see it runs uh, update DB. Uh, we've talked about that before. That's the command that updates that database that you can use the locate command for. So that's run on a daily basis on my computer. And then there's a few others here, but it's very easy if you have a command that you want to have run daily uh, as a root user you could just put that in this directory so for example let's say you're using debian or or ubuntu and you want to um and you want to do an apt-get update once a day well you could create a simple little one-line script uh if you wanted to and this maybe this is overkill because you could do this in just in, a, in another way that i'll explain in a minute but you could create a text file and do the shebang in the front slash bin slash sh and then on another line you just put apt-get update and uh, save it and call it apt-get for example uh, make it executable and drop it into this directory and that will run once a day now that's probably not the best way to do it but I'm just illustrating the point of you know uh, creating a simple little script and dropping it into one of these directories is an easy way to run a scheduled command or scheduled script Another way to do to do cron, or and this is this is really handy, I think, is to use what's called crontab. 
Now, Cromtab is a it, well. It, Cromtab uses a, a daemon, and it's it's the cromd daemon. So to start it, you know, it would typically be slash etsy slash init period d slash cromd, and then start, stop, or restart. And that runs a little daemon that will run the that will that runs these cron scripts in these directories, and it will also run what your entries in your cron tab. And your cron tab is sort of like a file, if you will. Not really, but it's but it's where you can in, you can put in your own cron jobs. Let me uh, see if I can explain it this way. If you go into a terminal as your normal user and do cron tab space dash l, that will list any user level cron jobs that you may have set up, and it's probably going to be blank. You can do cron tab space dash e to edit your cron tab and insert cron jobs, and I'll explain. The, the syntax for cron jobs in a second, but I'm just giving you an overall view of the structure of how this works. Uh, now, most systems default to using uh, Vim or VI as the system editor. So if if you do cron tab space dash e and you're in an editor that you don't understand, that you're not used to, it's not Nano or something, it's probably Vim, and so you can just do a colon and then Q to quit out of that. But anyway, so so cron tab is a way for you to um, Set up these cron jobs, and you can set up user level cron jobs, and of course you can do root level cron jobs. You would want not want to do normal user uh, cron jobs as your root user, uh, and and vice versa. I mean, if you're your regular user and you try to put in a a root level command in a cron job, it's not going to work because you don't have privileges. Okay, the easiest way I think to use cron tab. Is to create is to create your own cron tab file, if you will, and and it's where it's, this file is going to be where you're going to put your scheduled events. So let's create a file using Nano or Pico or any kind of editor that you want to use. This is just your normal user in your home directory, and uh, so do you know Nano space my cron tab, all one word, my cron tab, and so that's going to create a file called my cron tab. And in this file, on each line, you can insert a new cron task or or event, and the and the syntax it's gonna it's got to each each event each task has got to be on one line only, so you can have as many events as you want, but one per line. So the syntax for each event is is as follows: on one line, you're gonna have minutes, and then a space, and then hours, and then a space. And then the day of the month, and then a space, and then the month, and then a space, and then the day of the week, and then a space, and then a command. So those first five pieces—the the minute, the hour, the day of the month, the month, and the day of the week—what you put in each one of those five places, of course, depends on what it is that you're trying to do. The minute the, in, in the first little space is going to be a number between zero and fifty-nine. You know, zero and fifty-nine minutes. The next section, the hour, is going to be a number between zero and eleven. Make that a number between zero and twenty-three. The next one is the day of the month, and that's going to be a number between one and thirty-one. The fourth space is the month, and so that's a number between one and twelve. And then the last of the the first five is the day of the week, and that's a number between zero and seven. Um, or zero and six, is it? 
I think it's zero and six, seven days a week. So, and then you're going to have the command. Now, there are some variations here. Uh, for the instead of using numbers, if you want something to run on every single minute, let's say, rather than doing zero, to, you wouldn't do zero to 59. You could. You could also just put an asterisk. An asterisk means every single instance of whatever column you're in. So if you had a, an asterisk for the day of the week, then it means every single day of the week. You could also put a slash, and that's for some kind of repetition. So for example, um, for the minutes, you could do asterisks, you know, and then, a, and then a slash, and then five. And that would mean every minute that's divisible by five. Uh, you could also do a range, like you could do um, for the day of the month, you could do 6-10. And so that's going to be run on the from the 6th through the 10th of every single month. You could also have commas for several separate values. So you could have, for example, for the day of the week, you could have um, uh, 0, 2, and so that would be Sunday and Tuesday. The week begins on Sunday, and Sunday is a zero. That hopefully should make sense. Now, you can also use um, some, there are some, some of them you can use uh, little words, if you will. For example, I believe for the, for the month and for the week, you could use three-letter abbreviations. So for the week, you could have like S-U-N for Sunday, M-O-N for Monday, and likewise for months, you could have J-A-N for January, F-E-B for February, and the like. So let me give you an example here. Let's say you have a, a cron job that is, it, the first space is an asterisk. Uh, the second space is, well, no, let me back up. <laughs> here, here's what I get for trying to come up with an example on the spot. All right, the first space is zero. The second one is an 06. And then you've got asterisk, 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 and then a command. So what that cron job would be, that event would be, it would be a, an event that would run every single day of the year at 6 o'clock in the morning. Because the minutes are 0, and the hour is 6, and the next three spaces for the, for the, uh, the, the, the day of the month, and then the month, and then the day of the, of the week, are asterisks, meaning every single day of the month, every single month, and every single day of the week. If you wanted something to run only, um, like if you wanted to have a cron job run at midnight, or let's say at, um, you know, or at 6 a.m. every Friday, every single week, then you would have the same thing. It would be zero space, uh, zero six uh, space, asterisk for every single day of the month, asterisk for every single month, and then, and then FRI for Friday, or that would also be the number five. I think that's right. Uh, whatever day of the week Friday is, if if Sunday is a zero, and then the command. And again, the command could be anything. It could be a command that that if, if this is going to be a user level cron job, then it's got to be a, a command that the only the user that the user has privileges to run. And if it's a root level cron job then it can be any sort of command. So you can also do this same thing. Well, I mean, let me let me stop right there. Let me keep going where I am, and I want to jump ahead of myself. Okay, so you've got this file called my uh, cron tab, and you can just list all of your um, you know individual cron jobs in here. 
Okay, very easy. And then once you're done with it, you just save it. And then as your normal user, you would type in the following, cron tab space my cron tab, or whatever the name of the file is. And what that will do is it will take all the events that you have in that file and put them in, and cron tab, the command, will, will you know, schedule those and then run those, you know, based on the events and the times that you have listed for each, for each task. And it's very easy. Um, now you can also, like I said, you know, the, 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 uh, CronTab has sort of its built-in file, if you will. So if you don't want to create, a, if you don't want to maintain a separate file, you can just do CronTab space dash e, and then whatever editor your system is set to use by default, um, with that editor you can then create, then you can then uh, enter in cron tasks in 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 that way, and then save it, and then uh, that will then CronTab will run those tasks as well. The easy way to check what jobs you have scheduled is to do cron tab space dash L. That will list all cron jobs that you have saved or that you have set up in your system. Now, one other thing you can do in the um, in the cron tab or using the cron tab file, whether you're using your own file or, or otherwise, is you can also output, you know, on the same line, you can also send the output of your command to a file. This is what I do with my Bash Potter um, um, uh, cron job, for example. I actually use a script for my for my Bash Potter. The same idea. You could, for example, you know, have your have your five things set up for the time you want it to run. Then you have the command, and then you can do the greater than sign, and you can have you know log file .txt, and that will send the outputs of that command. So, you know, if it echoes anything to the screen, it will then send it to a text file instead that you can check later on to see what the results of the cron job were, see if it was successful or not. Uh, so there's a lot of things you can do with that. I won't get in, I want to, you know, explore all of the, all of the different options, but it, it really is great. And, and, you know, once you, I mean, you'll find that once you start using, uh, cron and cron tab, that uh, you'll find that you'll want to have some commands executed in order. And the easiest way to do that, again, is just to create a little script. That's actually what I've done with my little Bash Potter script. Uh, what I, rather than what I have for my Bash Potter script is I have a little simple little script, and it's got really just two lines. Because what I do is I have two log files that I like to maintain. I have one, you know, that's new every single day. So in other words, I have one log that shows just the output from the, from the, time it ran just today. Uh, and then I have another log file that's got all of the output that, that dates that you know dates back a ways. So if I don't check the daily log for a few days, I can always go back to the to the bigger log and, and check to see what was downloaded a few days ago. So it's very easy. What I have is a simple little script. And the first line is the command to run the bash potter with a single greater than sign and then the name of my daily log daily log.txt. And then on the next line, what I do is I have, all I do is append that daily log onto the, you know, the permanent log. So I, my next line is cat space daily log and then two greater than signs, which remember is the append, that's the, that's what you do to append. And then I have permanent log.txt. So, when Bash Potter runs, it outputs the output for every single day into a daily log that gets overwritten every single day. But then before it gets overwritten, before the script executes, 
it, it appends that onto the permanent log. So I have a permanent log. Very easy. So I just have a simple little script, and I have a, I have a scripts directory in my home directory, and I have a cron job entry that all it does is it executes that script, and that's it, once a day at 4 o'clock in the morning. Easy as pie, and it, and it works perfectly. And uh, you don't have to worry about once it really is, you know, set and forget. And that's like with so many things in Linux, it may seem complicated at first, but really once you kind of get used to it and kind of, you know, wrap your head around it, it's very easy. And when you use the terminal and you use commands, to, you know, to do things like this, it's extremely dependable, and it just works. I mean, I just don't ever have to change it, you know, and I don't have to mess with I don't have to have some kind of, you know, heavy graphical application running in the background just to be able to run my daily bash potter script. I mean, I can just set crontab to do it and that's it. So, uh, it's very simple to do. So, hopefully that makes sense and um, you know, if you have it, that's just the real basics of it, you know, do, you know, do man crontab if you have, you know, if you have more questions about how the crontab command works. And it goes into detail. It's not it's not a complicated man page. It's not very long, but it has some good documentation on those first five sets of numbers, if you will, for the days of the week and the month and all that kind of stuff. It has good examples. And also there's websites. I'm sure you can just Google for them. There's websites that will... Um, you know, that have a web-based, you just put in what you want to do, you know, with like drop-down boxes, and it will give you the cron tab entry that you could then put into your cron tab file. So that's that's pretty handy. So that's kind of cool. Uh, let's see, I think, you know, I think that's about it actually for, for cron and for cron tab this week. So it's something I could probably spend another hour talking about just because I really like it and uh, I use it all the time. But I don't want to you know, drag this on forever. So with that, let's check out a listener tip. To start, press any key. Where's the any key? I see esk, catarl, and pig up. There doesn't seem to be any any key. Howdy, Chess. This is Michael from uh, California, just calling in with a quick listener tip. You were talking last week about the clear option in the terminal to clear your window. Um, I also wanted to add that there is a command to clear the history of the commands that you've run. It's history-c, and that clears all of the uh, history commands that you normally scroll through when you hit the up or down arrow uh, on your keypad. Uh, this is helpful, <clears throat> especially if uh, you've been doing a lot of installs and you want to get back to the commands that you use most often, you can just clear the terminal. It also helps if you use a program like TrueCrypt, because <clears throat> if you really want plausible deniability when using it, you need to be able to prove that you didn't have a hidden partition within your encrypted partition. And so you can clear out your history command and, and basically show that you weren't doing that. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Thanks for the show. Message for you, sir. All right. Well, let's check out some listener feedback here. Uh, first one is uh, from... I'm going to mispronounce this. It's Georgie or Gorgie. I don't think it's George. But anyway, he says, hello, I just want to say thanks because people like you should know that their work is appreciated. I'm from Sofia, Bulgaria, and I just found Linux Reality four days ago. Well, I'm using Linux since 1999 or so every day, so there's nothing new to me. It's just very, very, very relaxing to come home 
to just come back home after work, turn off the light, provide rest for the eyes, and listen to stuff that I'm interested in. Keep up the good work. P.S. Just a question. Why don't you provide links to AUG files on the main webpage, too? I don't mind downloading MP3s, but since we're all about going away from proprietary formats, including an easy-to-click AUG is a way in the right direction, if you ask me. That's the start, but in, say, five years, maybe we won't have to use MP3 at all. Even right now, almost every possible player worth can play AUG. Well, um, thank you so much for that email. Uh, that's really very cool for, of you to send that along, and I'm very appreciative. About the links to the AUGs, I did mention this several episodes ago. I have started doing that, and for the last, I don't know how many, four or five episodes, I have done that. I have not gone back and put the links to the old episodes yet. That's I need to do that. So, you know, if you go back in the archives and you go to a, a show from, uh, you know, ways back, it's just going to have the one direct download. You can always download all the AUG files directly from the alternate AUG site, and that's linuxreality.libsyn.com. But um, hopefully what I'm going to try to do is go back and put in those links in the old episodes uh, so we don't have to send people to that alternate website anymore. So, But thank you for that. Got an email here from Vince. Uh, Vince says, uh, Greetings, Chess. My name is Vince, and I'm writing to you from just outside Chicago. First, I want to mention the fact that your podcast is extremely well done. I have listened to a lot of podcasts on different subjects, and they do not seem to have one-tenth of the professionalism or effort that you put in. The Linux community owes you a thank you for what you were doing. While I am not a total noob, I know just enough to be dangerous, as they say. Second, two quick questions. What is that guy actually saying in the sound clip right before the listener feedback? It sounds like, this is forever, but I can't quite make it out. Number two, who is the guitarist who does the closing theme? It's got a Dick Dale surf guitar thing going. Very cool. Um, <laughs> you mean uh, Vince? Let's see. You have to forgive my voice here. I've got a little bit of a, a little bit of a cold. But do you mean this? Message for you, sir. Well, that is a clip. Um, he's saying message for you, sir, and that's a clip from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is right up there as one of my all-time favorite movies. It's If it's not number one, it's number two. <laughs> I just love that movie so much. And about uh, the closing theme, um, let's see. Yeah, you can if you go to the FAQ uh, down at the very bottom, you can find a link to this, but it's a song called Sand Away, and it's by a band called The Exotics. Uh, they're a surf band out of somewhere in the Midwest, Minnesota or Wisconsin, I forget exactly, but uh, there's uh, there's a link to their webpage. It's a, I think it's a link to their MySpace page. But, yeah, I heard them on the radio. I actually heard them on NPR uh, earlier this year, and just they were they played Sand Away, and I really liked the tune a lot. So I sent them an email and asked if I could use it, and they sent me one back, sent an email back, and they said, sure, no problem. So uh, props to them. All right, let's see. Last email here is from Chris, and Chris says, Hey, Chess, first off, what a great show. I've been listening for quite a while now, and I learned so much from each show. The reason for my email is I heard you mention you have a Quan U3, and after a bit of research, I bought one also. I can mount it great on my Ubuntu box. I use my Ubuntu server to grab podcasts in the middle of the night and transfer them to my U3. I can just unplug the player in the morning and listen to the day shows. I am new to bash scripting, but I have written some to make this happen. Uh, see, there you go. Same kind, of, same kind of thing I was just talking about. Uh, let's see. When I do the transfer, I mount the U3 and all goes well. 
but as you are maybe guessing, the slash dev slash sd asterisk changes from time to time. After much searching, I figured that you that you have to have an entry in the slash etsy slash fstab. And if you want to lock it down, you need to use the label equals instead of dev slash sd asterisk. Well, it sounds great, but how do I find the label for my U3? The Ubuntu website sh shows a command of ls slash dev slash disk slash by dash label. I tried this with no directory found. Am I just getting the syntax wrong, or might you know of another way to find the label? Keep up the great work on the shows. I bet you have a great following. I've told coworkers who are interested in Linux to give you a try. You make it sound so simple to use Linux. Thanks for all the information and podcasts. And that's uh, Chris from Oklahoma. Well, Chris, um, that's a great email. Uh, well, let's see. First of all, I don't have a Koan U3. I have the Koan, oh gosh, what, well, what's it called? The iAudio 5. That's right. I think that's right. Um, it's the little 512. I think mine's actually a gig flash player. Sounds like yours might be uh, hard disk based, maybe, kind of like an iPod. I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm glad to see or glad to read that you got a Koan. I really think Koan and iAudio do fantastic work, and I'm, I support them and you know because they support Linux and, and uh, uh, AUG files and all that kind of stuff. But as to your question about the changing... Uh, device uh, designation, SD1, SD2, probably it changes all the time. You're right, and you know you talk about, and you mentioned that you use Ubuntu, and the, it talks about this label for your U3, and this ls slash dev slash disk slash by dash label. You know, I think that's unique to Ubuntu. I've never seen that before, and but it's funny you mention that because in the forums people were talking about Edgy, and you know I have Edgy on my laptop. And I went into the fstab file, and it looked crazy to me because it had all this label stuff. And I don't know where that comes from. I know they have, I know Edgy has a whole new boot process and init scripts and all this kind of stuff. And things, they've done a lot of pretty substantial changes under the hood. Basically, I mean, you know, in a, you know, traditionally speaking, what you're really getting at is, is, cause, cause hot, well, udev is the system that looks for, Hardware and assigns it device nodes and that kind of thing, and you can you can create custom what's called custom udev rules, and you would put this in your slash etsy slash udev slash oh, rules dot d I think is the directory where or all your udev rules are, and there should be a bunch of rules provided by default uh, for hardware and network devices and all this kind of stuff, but you can create your own manual rules. And if you give it a, if you give the file name a number, like if you call it 10-local rules, I'm doing this off memory, but you can create custom udev rules. And there's websites out there that tell you how to do it. It gets kind of tricky and it's not terribly easy or terribly intuitive. But the whole, the whole idea behind udev is you're basically pulling out information that's specific to the piece of hardware and and using it to almost to create a fingerprint of the device and then telling the udev system to assign it a particular device node or name or something uh, that way it's the same every single time and I have to do this for my laptop because my laptop's got both a uh, it's got a built-in wireless card that's recognized by Linux it's an open source wireless card and it also of course has an Ethernet card so it has two Ethernet devices it 
that's what it thinks. And so on some distributions, it gets confused whenever I reboot and it will assign the Ethernet card to, you know, ETH0 and the Wi-Fi card to ETH1 and vice versa the next time you boot. So I have a custom UDEV rule that I use on this laptop for, and I just take it with me from distribution, because I've run into this so many times that I just drop into my UDEV directory and it sets it every single time. So, long story short, I'm trying to answer your question here. I think that same idea is happening to you with your U3. I think UDEV is is assigning it different nodes each time it finds it for some reason. Now, how to specifically do that with this label stuff, label equals, I don't know. Um, I think that's specific to Ubuntu, and I will see if I can try to find something out. I think it's some variation of this is what it sounds like to me. But I just, you know, I don't know. I'm sorry. But uh, I'm sure in the Ubuntu forums there should be some, I would imagine that this has come up for other people because this is a pretty common situation. And I would think that there would be some help in there. So, and if anybody listening to this has any help uh, for Chris, maybe you can post something in the, sh- in the, you know, in the forums to the, to the um, link for this particular episode. And Chris, you know, maybe check in the forums at, at the, you know, the Linux Reality Forums and we'll see if we can't find you some help. So, but I appreciate you sending in that email and asking the questions. And, you know, I'll try to answer questions from time to time when I can. I get a lot of questions actually. And, and I usually try to refer people to the forums just because I really don't have time to answer questions all the time. But feel free to send them to me. And when something like this comes up, I'll try to get it into the show. All right. Let's see. I'm starting to lose my voice now. So, I think it's time to wrap it up. Okay, well, uh, another good episode, I think, here uh, in the books. Uh, Let's see. Uh, What you can do is send me feedback. I really, really welcome the feedback. Please send it along or listener tips or anything to linuxreality at gmail.com. There's also the listener hotline, 206-338-6359, and also the Odeo web-based system. You link to that on the Linux Reality homepage. Let's see, next week, I think I'm going to try to get to the Fedora discussion. Um, I've been playing with it, and I've, it's been it's been good. I've got some thoughts on it, so I think I'm, I'm going to try to get to that. I may bring in something else. You know, sometimes I like to switch it up on you at the last minute. But uh, uh, I think I am going to do the Slackware episode as well at some point. So a lot of people have asked me for that. So I think I will try to work that in at some point down the road. I'm not quite sure when that will be, but you know, just stay tuned for that. So in the meantime. Like I said, send me that feedback, send me those voicemails and the listener tips. I really appreciate it. Hope you all have a great week. Thank you for everything, and stay subscribed and stay tuned. I'll catch you all next time. This has been Linux Reality, Episode 39. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.